0: Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me, as always, is that menstrual of minstrels, that balladeer to the grandest courts in all the land, Larry Brennan. Sproing!
1: You, Larry? Uh, the string on my harp just broke, Andy. <laughs> Did you say an untruth?
0: Uh, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Larry, we are going to dig in today to 1985's The Black Cauldron.
1: So, uh, so I'm super excited to discuss this with you. Uh, I am a huge fan of Lloyd Alexander, uh, The Chronicles of Pridane, uh of which The, the yes. Black Cauldron is the second book in the series. Uh, I yes. loved those books as a kid. I took them out from the library all the time. Uh, I really? was the person who was the most excited when Disney announced they were doing an animated movie, The Black Cauldron. I could not tell you how excited for I was.
0: Little Little Larry was first in line. Oh, huh? for sure. That's My parents great.
1: knew. Like we had to go.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, some key facts to set the stage. As Larry mentioned, The Black Cauldron is based on the first two books in the Newbery Medal Award winning The Chronicles of Pradane by Lloyd Alexander. It was written in the 1960s, and it's a series that's well rooted in Welsh mythology, and it's also set in the early Middle Ages. And The Black Cauldron had a production budget, was Disney's largest at this point, of $44 million. And it only brings in $21 at the box office. And that is a huge blow to the Disney uh, Corporation and Disney Animation. Uh, The animators were very discouraged by their work. Uh, Ollie Johnson and Frank Thomas in their 1993 work, The Disney Villain, stated the movie lacked the humor, the pathos, and the fantasy which had been so strong in Lloyd Alexander's work. And one of them said the story had been a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and it was heartbreaking to see such wonderful material wasted. In fact, Andy, this movie did so poorly that when they tried
1: to re-release it, like on DVD, they changed the name to Taryn's Magic yes. Sword because they knew that if they if they tried to sell it as the Black Cauldron, people would know the buzz about it and not watch it. And,
0: and run, yeah. right? Um, so in an interview with Scholastic, uh, Lloyd Alexander remarked that he had fun watching the movie, but that there was no resemblance between this Disney adaptation and his actual work. And he said, what I would hope is that anyone who sees the movie would certainly enjoy it, but I'd also hope that they'd actually read the book. The book is quite different. It's a very powerful, very moving story. And I think people would find a lot more depth in the book. Agree. True. (laughs) No lies detected. Uh, So The Black Cauldron is the first uh, Disney Studios film to receive a PG rating, which might explain why some parents in the 1980s opted not to take their children. Uh, The original film had to be re-edited with 15 minutes of footage cut. I think Jeffrey Katzenberg himself uh, held the razor there, uh, including scenes featuring the undead Cauldronborn uh, used as the Horn King's fi- army in the final act. We see a little bit of them in this movie, but I guess it was a lot more. There was lots of graphic violence and in the original before it got cut. And none other than Tim Burton did the concept art. Mm-hmm. And allegedly test screenings had children running and screaming from the theater. <laughs> so the cuts had to be made.
1: I I mean I would love it if anybody can find footage of children screaming and running from the theater. I would watch <laughs> the that Disney video. <laughs> ah,
0: you're great. Okay, so a, a lot you know a lot of fantasy minded moviegoers have rediscovered the Black Cauldron in recent years. Um, there's a reader, a writer that I read uh, fairly frequently. Her name's Emma Oakman. She's at Game Rant magazine, and she claims that if it was marketed to a slightly older audience that there was no doubt the black cauldron would have been a much greater success. And I think I think that lends that has some merit because there are movies that make it in the 80s. I think about Labyrinth and yes. uh Will Willow and and sort of fantasy films that do pretty well, uh, but again, not marketed to tiny children. And
1: as I recall, this is the same year as Return to Oz. So that's uh Two two inadvertent Disney horror movies created in the same year. Uh, I do yeah I do want to say to this movie's credit, there are so m- and and possibly this is the Tim Burton influence. There is so much visual eye candy in this movie. They did not phone in the animation. The shots of mm-hmm. the spooky castle, uh, the Gwethaints, uh which are the you know the wyverns flying in the air. Um, I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous art
0: throughout, I think. Uh, well, and it's interesting to me that the Disney villains series never really considers the Horned King to be one of their villains. I mean, it's almost like this movie just got locked away and nobody wants to remember it. Well, and I actually think there's a reason for
1: that, although I do believe in one of the international um, Disney. Theme parks, there is in fact a Horned King experience that they created with the oh, other wow. Disney villains. Wow. Uh, it's it's actually pretty cool. I've seen it on the Oculus. Uh, it's pretty cool. It doesn't oh. exist anymore though. Very cool. And and you're right, no one in their top 10 list of villains says the Horned King is at the top for them. It or, or right, in right. the top 10 or in the top 20. Okay. Orphan. So let's get into the movie <laughs> proper. Andy, okay. as you know, we yes. always start a movie by asking the Monish Tana why do we start we sure do. the movie where we start the movie? Why do we begin where we begin? Andy, do you have any thoughts on this?
0: Well, Larry, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> we have a classic Disney prologue with a narrator, mm-hmm. right? We know the king was thrown alive in a crucible of molten iron. His demonic spirit was captured in the form of a black cauldron and that whoever possessed the cauldron would rule the world. This movie feels a whole lot like the sword in the stone opening, Mm -hmm. except there's no music to this prologue. There's absolutely no hopefulness or playfulness, but still it's a dark age where the strong prey upon the weak, but tonally we're not getting any hope from the, Black Cauldron. Yes. And, you know, it seems we have a dramatic question with the narrator, who will find and possess the the cauldron. And, you know, kind of the subtext of that is, will the world be ruled by good or by evil? And it really looks like evil with its potential army of deathless warriors has a pretty strong shot.
1: Sure. So so but but I think uh what what, what the problem with the Manashtana is, is it feels like like a very generic evil threat. In other words, there's a there's a magic item, there's a bad dude, but there's no sense of character from either of them. No. It's, it is no. any, it, it feels in the movie, not in the book, it feels in the movie like very much, you know how in movies sometimes there's a bad guy and sometimes there's a MacGuffin? We got both. Here's our opening to the movie. Right. And I think, I think, you know, they're not giving us, they're giving us information that I think is crucial, but that will also get mm-hmm. probably just a couple of minutes later, but they're not giving us flavor. And I, I think, I think for me that that is really the thing that's missing. Even in Cinderella, we get that little view of Cinderella mourning her father Young, and the, the evil stepmother and the young mm-hmm. stepsisters, and it gives us a personal touch to what we're about to experience in a way this movie doesn't. I think you're right. It's most like the sword and the stone in its opening. Um, however, we get past the prologue a little bit, and I'm just going to push us forward, and we get to, we meet Taron, uh, and we meet Dalbin, mm-hmm. and we meet the pig Henwen, and this is the point in the movie where we're starting to follow the characters. And I think that's also part of right. the Manish Tana. And the question sure. becomes why do we start here? And I'll throw out to you, Andy, this movie does something that I think is fundamentally flawed, which is stuff happens and it's not clear why. Right. The reason we're watching today is not because Taryn has done anything particularly special that day. We meet him, we see him play with play at being a hero, we see him fall in the mud, we see that he's not happy being an assistant pig boy, whatever that means. We we learn about his character. But the thing that happens today is that Henwyn seems to get a vision. She's an oracular pig who's granted visions mm-hmm. of the future. And she gets this vision that the Horned King is looking for the Black Cauldron,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that is the trigger that she gets the vision. She's also bringing about the vision, right? Like if Henwen right. never got the vision, the Horned King wouldn't know. Hey, somewhere there's a pig getting a vision and that vision will lead me to the black cauldron. And so right. you're sort of like, okay, nobody made a choice. No one did anything in particular today. Just for whatever reason, today is the right. day Henwin gets the vision and that's it. When you can't control these things, it just happens.
0: You, and t- you know, a lot of times as writers, we start, we tell each other things like, you know, there's a whole lot of telling here, but there's not a lot of showing. Right. And, and that's how I feel. I feel like I'm getting a lecture about what their life is like in this exposition, but I'm not really, like, here's the thing. I I, I gather that Taryn's going to be the protagonist, sure. right? But he doesn't seem to have a pure heart. I want him to love Henwen and protect her, even if he's distractable, right? Right. And he doesn't really want to do that. And he doesn't really care. And so it's like, I don't really care about him because the things that he cares about, there's no really in no real injustice being done him. He's just sort of there. He doesn't have a, you know, and 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 contrast that with like say Wart, yes. uh, who we see being sort of abused and neglected, right? um Terrence kind of being treated well and it's weird it's just it weird it's
1: weird beyond that Taryn's wants are very generic he is a boy pretending to be a hero that is i dare mm-hmm. say the boy experience is you imagine right. yourself as a hero he resents having to take care of a pig I dare say that's the Mm -hmm. taking care of a pig experience. I don't know that there's... I don't get the sense that there's anything special about how Taryn interacts with Henwyn. I also would not want to have to clean clean a muddy pig, give a pig a bath. I also would like to pretend... To be a hero. That's why I played Dungeons and Dragons. Taryn needs some twenty-sided dice and a friend.
0: I. But there's nothing. So what sol What solves this problem, Larry, is that we have Taryn. If we could have Taryn kind of sort of play acting with Henwyn, and like he discovers, oh wow, she can really do all these things. You know, if like he's play acting that he's the hero in the beginning, and Henwin's kind of going along with it, and we see sort of love between him and this pig, instead of contempt. I think then when Henwin, you know, when he learns that she's got these powers, it, it's a little more interesting. Right? So
1: in the book, and I'll, I'll try not to bring up the book at every opportunity, the thing that happens in the book is Taryn demands a title from, from Dalbin oh. and Kull, who who is another character who's not in this movie. And the title that he's given, the responsibility that he's given is he's made the assistant pig keeper. Like, like, right. they like... Here you go. Here's your title. And they're like playing with him a little bit about this. Um, uh-huh. but, but he is rebelling against them a little more actively, trying to assert his adulthood a little more actively. Uh-huh. Um, and we just get the sense here that he's been whining about his job for a while and that it's not special right. to see him whine about it today. This is not the first time right. he's had to bathe the pig.
0: I mean, he's got a boiling over pot, which I think is supposed to be foreshadowing for a real pot that's going to boil over at some point. But, I mean, I don't know. So, then we say... I, I, I'm i watching and I'm like, I, I should care,
1: but I don't. What is the... Why don't I care? Well... That's that's exactly it. So what is the inciting incident of this movie? What is the event that sets us off on a path? And I think the movie's mm. answer to this is Henwin gets a vision. Taryn is charged with taking Henwin to safety.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's still more sort of exposition in a way. It's what sets I him off really on the, the journey. I'm with you. It's not. Yeah, it's not really. Yeah, because the, the real the real moment where he's like, "Oh my gosh, my life has changed," is he loses the pig, right? Which feels because he doesn't care about the pig is almost feels sort of unforgivable. I don't think in so. A way. So 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 again, yeah. the, what we're we're coming across
1: here is even at the inciting incident. We're, we don't see characters making choices and that no. I think is the problem Taryn is told take the pig away to safety uh so he takes the pig mm-hmm. away to safety he he says I'll keep the pig safe he he realizes it's an important job he momentarily daydreams at a pond and looks up and mm-hmm. the pig has run away but right but how much attention was like like, was he really not paying attention to the pig? I Like, like it's he looks up and she's gone, but we also didn't see her leave. We didn't see what prompted her to go. He literally took his uh-huh. eyes off of her for two seconds, it seemed like, and the pig was gone. Um, it's not, again, not really a choice. I don't know how much you can look at a pig as you're walking.
0: Right. Well, but here's the thing. So you have not, this is no ordinary sure. pig. This is a magical it's pig. She's also intelligent. Right? You should trust if you, that she'll stay near if you. You've, if you've just learned that this pig is magical and interesting, wouldn't you like be talking to the pig? And wouldn't you be interesting? Like, like, can you do it in this water? Can you, can you do the thing? Can you show me what I'm going to be? I mean, if he were to like yes. engage this at all, yes. that would change it. Like I would start to care more. But again, I think you're right, Larry. I think you're right on the nose when you say like things are happening to Taryn instead of Taryn acting on his. He's environment. not
1: even making a real mistake here. But what you prompt the idea that Taryn, who has learned that the Horn King learned of the pig because the pig used her power, now with his first experience with magic, tries to replicate what he just saw and inadvertently draws even more not attention from the Horn King. We want to see him make an active bad choice. As opposed mm-hmm. to like an inadvertent, I'd stop paying attention for half a second. Right, right. So, moving the story a bit along, we sure. have a lot of stuff that is rising action here. Uh, I, w- I would argue Taryn meets Gurgi and they have some mm-hmm. interactions. Uh, Taryn follows uh, Henwin's path to the castle, gets captured meets Elenwe and is rescued by Elenwe rescues or Flam gets a magic sword um all of oh, and is still in oh but there is an important point here at one point Taran and and Henwyn are brought before the horned king and the horned king yes. says to Taran show me how the pig works his magic and Taran doesn't want to but when the horn King says well if you're not going to do it I'm going to kill henwen the pig Taryn says okay I will and this moment is important to me and might even really be the inciting incident but but there's so uh. many things that are mistakes here if Dalbin didn't teach Taryn how to use the pig yeah Taryn wouldn't be in a position to tell the horned king now taran doesn't need to know how to use the pig why did dalbin teach it to him and beyond that when the look i i i have you know some existential dread that i live with when the lord of the undead tells me i either have to make the pig give him a prophecy That will lead him to an item that will allow him to create an undead horde that will destroy the world. Or he might kill the pig. You let him kill Kill the the pig. pig. (laughs) It's sad. It's sad, you guys. I would cry. That's a cute pig. But Taryn's like, I have no choice. You do, Taryn.
0: You do have a choice. Even if the right you don't even like this pig, dude. Like you (laughs) You, We know full well. We know full well that
1: the Horned King's intent is an undead apocalypse. That's this is not even a close (laughs) choice, Taryn. It's it's just not. It's just not a close choice.
0: And it almost seems like this choice—it's either me or the pig—feels like it should be a climax. Like we should build to that. It's the wrong. But this is—it's—it's it's happening. It's—it's it's all like like he—he he meets the Horn King too quickly.
1: But here's the way to make it I better, think. Andy. Are you ready? Yes. The Horn yes. King shouldn't say, "I'll kill the pig," because the Horn King needs the pig, right? Yeah. Horn King should right. threaten to kill Taryn yeah and Taryn should have to come face to face with his cowardice, the fact that when his own life was threatened, he mm-hmm. you know, and he's just a boy. and this is mm-hmm. a really scary guy. right? He didn't do the heroic thing and and mm-hmm. did make Henwin do the prophecy so that there's no illusions about what's happened here. To save his own yeah. skin, Taryn sold out the rest of humanity. And for someone who yeah. wanted to be a hero and to have the guilt of that weigh on him would propel awesome. him to take action further. But the movie portrays yes. it as like he's actually he just loves the pig so darn much that that like he he's he's willing to give it up to save he's doing it to save the pig. It shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be a heroic act. It's, it should be an act of cowardice, yeah. and that should cause Taryn to realize who I've been pretending to be.
0: I'm not who I want to right. be. I'm not that yet. And and so and so it this colors the rest of the rising action. It does. I mean it 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 hurts like it hurts it because like at first the dramatic question is well, can Taryn find the pig? And then the dramatic question is, can Terran save the world? And I'm not convinced he can save the world if, if that event where he makes a wrong choice. Like, I want to see him make a wrong choice so that I really start to wonder whether he can do the mission that's given d- to him, which is to destroy the, just hopefully destroy the Black A dramatic Malvern,
1: right? question should not be about external events. It should be about the choice of a character. Right. Yes. And right. And this, that's why I'm saying this should be the inciting incident. If the inciting yeah. incident should be Taron is a coward in this moment. Does yes. s- does something terrible to save himself, and can he learn courage? And then the rest of the movie straightens out for me when he finds the well, And then if when yeah, he finds the ahead. magic sword, it's a crutch that allows him to pretend to be brave without having any real risk, right? He gets to play act at being a great hero, but it's not him. It's the sword, right? Right. And then when he gives up the sword, he should be super reluctant to give up the sword because without it, he goes back to being a coward. That's the whole through line we should be experiencing with him. What does it mean to be a hero? And it gets... It isn't developed properly. And without it,
0: this movie just feels like we're shuttling from place to place. And things are just happening. Things just happen. As opposed to things just sort of happen, which makes it even more scary. I think for children, I think children can handle like people making wrong choices and trying to redeem themselves. But if a child is just walking through this world and crazy things happen to them all the time with no rhyme or reason and no hope, I think that's where a, Children's movies kind of fall flat.
1: If this should even be a children's movie,
0: because I I gotta
1: tell you, I don't think it is. I think it should be a teen. I think the problem is it's trying to be a children's movie, but when your enemies are undead horrors, (laughs) you're not a children's movie. (laughs) Right. Right. The stakes are too high. To be a little kid's movie. All right, we gotta get through plot. And there's so much stuff. (laughs) But the rising action is a travelogue of Pradane. Right? We go from location to location. We go into the pond and we meet with the fairy folk. And then we find the three witches and we bargain for the black cauldron. And then the cauldron gets captured and we're back at the castle. But we're going, we're going from location to location. And again, flaw in this movie, everything Taryn does helps the horned King
0: if Taryn right, I mean, there's no yeah, there's no real mission like 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 Taryn's not on a mission to stop the Horned King. he's not on he's just going from place to place and experiencing these you know they and part of this is Andy I don't they know. changed what the Black
1: cauldron does in the movie instead of the books, and they uh. did it because it's a children's movie. In the books, the horned king already used the black cauldron. He's got an army of the undead and nothing can kill them.
0: So, okay. So, that answers my question about the prologue because in the prologue, when I first saw this movie, I was I had to watch this movie 3 times to get what yeah, was yeah. going on. So, in the prologue, he says a king was thrown alive into a crucible of molten iron. When I saw the uh, the Horned King, I thought, well, he's already been in there. He has. Right? In the books. But that's, yeah, but that's not, that's not the case here. No. no, and so seeking out the
1: Black Cauldron is about destroying the Horned King and the Cauldron Born, because you have to find it. It's the only way he's vulnerable. Right. It's the only way that yeah. he and his army can be destroyed. But when you change the focus... So the, the, your bad guy is looking for this item. The answer is mm-hmm. you don't uncover it. The Horned King can't get the Black Cauldron unless he bargains with the witches. And it doesn't seem like that's – he can't even find the witches. He never does. He can't even find the no. witches to bargain with them. Tar- the Horned King can't go to the fairies and have the fairies of light lead them there. So everything Taran does benefits the Horned King through this movie. And it messes up the whole quest of it. We're if Karen was just like, great, we got away. Let's get home. The movie's over, and the Horn King is thwarted. Yeah, he doesn't need to go find the MacGuffin if the if the Horn King can't get there. We're good.
0: Yeah, like what's what's it matter? And there's no there's no tension. It's interesting the tension that comes in this movie comes from bad things that are coming to get you. Not the tension of, can he, will he pull it off, or will Taryn jump in and fix it? I mean, that's the... But it's all coming.
1: Yeah. It all comes from this, let's make it a children's movie. And if we're making it a children's movie... The Horned King can't have undead soldiers at the beginning because that's too scary. So let's put that off till the very end of the movie, and let's never have the undead monsters actually do anything. They'll walk for five feet and then they'll fall apart. and And because and yeah. and that decision, I, I honestly believe, the decision to make this a child-friendly movie instead of a movie for teens and adults, messes with the story telling structure so much. That That it tries to become the Wizard of Oz. I meet this person, yeah. this person, this person, they join me on my journey and, and and then like we have a melting sequence at the end. but <laughs> we have the Wizard of Oz for that. We don't need this for yeah. that. What would you say? Yeah. And I just want to get through climate, uh, through plot here. <laughs> the climax of this movie is oh, the, Lord the have forces mercy. where good okay. and evil contend <laughs> where the dramatic tension is at its highest.
0: So I think, I, and it may just be an emotional climax, but I think when Gergi sacrificially jumps into the pot to break the spell, um, I think that is a moment where I, I see something heroic. Yeah. And there's a problem. And maybe for the first time in this entire film. And right? and there
1: is a problem with that. When we get to uh, protagonist problems, yep. we'll get to that. Uh, but the tension, the tension is set up. The only way to destroy the Black Cauldron is for someone to willingly go in. By willingly go in, that means you will never come out. That is set up. Um, and the question is, Will the dramatic question <clears throat> is, will Taron do the right thing and throw himself into the cauldron? And right. humorously, the answer to this dramatic question, is: I guess. It's not yes. <laughs> it's I like, guess he would have, but Gergi beats him Maybe.
0: to it. Yeah, I I mean, I think again. Yeah, and and we might just jump into protagonist problems right now. I think we should. I think I think we should. There's a big problem with having a dramatic question answered by an ancillary character and not the protagonist themselves.
1: Taryn should jump into the black cauldron,
0: and then maybe one
1: hundred percent we follow Taryn into the cauldron. And we see what mm-hmm. he experiences in there. And yes. he's given another dramatic choice while he's in there, which is how much do you want to live? You'll become the next horned king. I'll let you out of the cauldron. You'll become the next yes. horned king. You'll be great. You'll mm-hmm. be feared. You'll be respected. And then Taryn. Everything you've always wanted, right? right? And then Taryn rejects that choice, but through the nobility of his choice, destroys the cult. I mean, something. So we have to this pay off <laughs> This arc. is a much better movie. Taran's arc. This is a much
0: better movie than the movie I've seen 3 times. Yes. Right? <laughs> we want to
1: pay. Yeah. and by the way, Taryn is not the one who jumps into the cauldron in the in the book. Neither is Durgy. No. Uh oh, Interesting. Well, we can talk about that later maybe. Uh, but sure. the truth of the matter is this is if if this is a movie about Taryn, the climax needs to be about Taryn's choice and it isn't. Yeah. What has Tarun so you- learned on his journey? And the answer is: stuff happens, and you just got to deal with it.
0: <laughs> Life isn't what it seems. It's not so bad to be <laughs> in is. charge of a pig. <laughs> these these be content with where you are.
1: <laughs> it's it's not it's not enough, and and it's and it's because they're trying to make something palatable for children. We get some falling action. Which is uh, after the climax. We do have some significant things happen. The witches come back and they, uh-huh. for whatever reason, want to trade the cauldron the, back for the sword. Which, like, okay, I thought you called no backsies, but whatever. <laughs> Taryn, instead, like, what is going on there? We can talk about that with the witches. Uh, uh. Taryn <laughs> doesn't want the sword back. Because he realizes he's not a great hero. What's important to him is getting Gergi back. And, of course, he gets Gergi's dead body back. Because Gergi can't come back. But then Gergi's alive. Everybody takes hands. And they go, skipping down the yellow brick road. Dolbin's looking at them in a pot and going like, now he's got... I guess he's got friends. They did it as if Dalbin planned this all along. And if he did, shame on you, Dalbin. On
0: him. Yes. He's awful. It's, this is the weirdest. Oh, it's so weird. Like it's hard to, it's like a plate of spaghetti. You can start pulling one noodle and you've got 89 other noodles following it. You know, it's like, this isn't a great movie. And, and I think audiences were, you know, right on the money. They're here. not. I mean, that that's saying, okay, so if the climax is Gergi jumps into the pot, which I really think it, it is. is. I mean, it could be the Horned King getting sucked into the Black Cauldron. But then I have a question there. Like, why does evil prefer to destroy the Horned King over Terran? Right? Like, wh- why is it satisfied? I mean, it would seem to me it would be satisfied with, purity and taking over the world because it would see terran as more of a threat than the horned king right
1: it none of it none of it is clear it's all messy um yeah and the books won't help you out here because they've subverted what the book whatever the cauldron is in the movie it really is a different entity in the book it just it just uh-huh. is okay and there's and there's no getting away from that
0: Okay. Well, I mean, there is, I mean, to its credit, this movie does have some three act structure because at, you know, the first act is can Taryn find the pig? And then again, that dramatic question is asked again. I probably already said this, but can Taryn save the world? But then how does the world go from chaos? If we start in chaos and we end in calm, is the world really saved here? Because I don't, feel like it is because the witches have the black cauldron what are they going to do with well them? nothing
1: they're not going to do anything with it the truth of the matter is the cauldron really does belong with the witches no one can get to it um the world is safe from the cauldron if the witches have it it was safe before um when the witches yeah. had it before yeah. <laughs> uh, so weird it, it is weird and the thing that is really missing from the books uh, from the movie that's in the books, is the specialness of Taron. Over the course mm-hmm. of five books, we are going to learn that Taron is the rightful king of Prydain. In the same way- I
0: kept waiting for that to happen. I kept waiting for this moment when he gets the sword from the king and he finds out maybe that king was his father, right? right? And the sword works for him. I kept waiting for this kind of- thing to happen. And then I thought, no, I'm projecting too much sword in the stone in this. But I you're need not. To stop but, then I'm, but then I'm like, okay, you've got this magic sword. And it's, it's cutting axes and it's cutting chains and it's doing all this. Why doesn't it kill this black cauldron once and for all? Well, because the black cauldron
1: isn't in the world at the same time that the sword is in the world. But more importantly, what needs to be established is that sword doesn't work oh. for anybody but Taryn. Yes. Right? Like if Fluid or Flam tried to lift the sword and he's like, ah, and like it doesn't do anything. It's just a sword. But when Taryn yes. heals it, we would get more of a sense of Taryn's specialness. And it just, right. and none of it's there. Uh, there's a hint of it. Why does Dalvin send Taryn and Henwin to the cottage instead of going himself? It, the, the secret right? is, should be, it isn't Henwin he's protecting. It's Taran he's protecting. He's yes. telling Taran to go protect the pig, but it should be the Horn yeah. King wants to kill the the descendant of his ancestor. And he's yeah. it's it's not that he's looking for What we should learn is the Horn King's not looking for Henwin. He's looking for Taran. And Dolbin's yeah. been lying to him all this time trying to keep him safe. We would get so much more of a meal out of that.
0: Yes, yes. Well, let's talk about Taryn for a little bit. Let's go jump into some of these characters. I mean, Taryn is an unlikely hero in that, you know, he says I'm I'm a warrior, not a pig keeper, and he seems to wrestle with that throughout the course of this movie. Like, who am I really? Right? And i I don't know that we ever answer. I don't know that we ever <laughs> answer that question. In a satisfactory way. I mean, if he's going to be king of Pradane someday,
1: I would prefer someone who makes better choices than this dude. Um, he's he's <laughs> Wart, But without Merlin. Right? Yes. He's, he's got the adult figure in his life is gone ver- about three minutes into the movie. Uh, and we'll talk about Fluid or Flam in a second, because I, I think it's fascinating the role that he plays in this movie. Mm-hmm. but but taron doesn't is missing the mentor figure who is trying to yeah. turn him into the person he's meant to be he's going it alone mm-hmm. he has to figure it out on his own and he doesn't not re- i mean he kind of no. does the movie goes like he realizes he should just be an assistant pig keeper but you know what movie that is a load of pig manure <laughs> the idea that Taryn should learn to stop dreaming and be settled for the menial labor job that he hates is—is is I'm not I'm not buying what you're selling. What H- Taryn needs to learn is being a hero means prioritizing different things than the things that he's been prioritizing.
0: Not well, that I mean, he there's, doesn't, no, there's no oppor- His yeah, there's no opportunity for him to have any kind of sacrificial love. I mean, there's plenty of opportunity for it, but he doesn't really take it. He
1: learns that he doesn't have the right stuff to be a hero. And Mm -hmm. that's not what movies are supposed to do. It's not supposed to end with Spider-Man being like, you know what? I'm going to really focus on photography right now. It's, (laughs) it's, you (laughs) become, at the end of the movie, you need to become a hero. And Taron doesn't. And he should get to be one. But to do that movie, you have to let him do things that are heroic.
0: I think there's an argument that somebody might make that says, well, you know, at the end, he doesn't take the sword. He asks for Gergi instead. And somehow Gergi is resurrected, but we're not really sure how that happens. So that's an evidence of whatever. But I'm like, but not heroism. Darn it. It's just love. And I look, I love love. You know, I love love. But
1: that movie, the movie has not been asking, "Will Taryn learn to love Gergi?"
0: Right, or love to love love Henwin, or love whatever. Right. I mean, it's it's not the dramatic question of the movie. The movie is how
1: do you become a hero, and the answer is you become a hero by making sacrifice. That's what it should. That's what this movie wants to be, and isn't.
0: Well, and thematically, Disney movies are about sacrificial. Being the hero sacrificing, yeah, right? I, I mean, you know, I don't know if it. this
1: ever occurred to me, but a lot of these movies are about redemptive
0: love. I... <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I'm going to write that down. That you should. should. <laughs> Tattoo that somewhere. <laughs> and this movie
1: kind hey, okay, of is. So, but it, it ends yeah. up feeling more like the redemptive love a pet has for its master than it does right. that a hero has for his people.
0: Right. All right, we got Dalbin who is not in this movie enough. And yet too much at the same time. <laughs> I I know. I mean, like I think in the beginning we get exposition from Dalbin. So we hear the, it's interesting because we hear this narrator and then we see Dalbin who basically just repeats what we've heard the narrator say. And, uh, you know, then he sends Taryn on a quest and we don't hear from him again until the end of the movie When he goes, oh, there it is. That's what I was expecting.
1: But he's got no reason to make these expectations of Tarrant. He has not prepared Tarrant. This is the real problem. If this was Uh Dalvin's plan all along, that events would work out the way that they did, how dare you? Uh Because you could have spent this time giving Tarrant the tools he would need to do a better job all you've taught him how to do is wash a pig and you set him yeah, off I mean, and this is, there's no reason to believe
0: Taryn can do the thi- it's it's monstrous to me and it would be di- it would be different if the things he had learned would be like um a mr miyagi who is teaching you wax on wax off right. and really you're learning karate moves or a merlin who is you know you're sort of enthralled by his magic. Taryn doesn't seem all that interested in Dolbin's magic. It's kind of like, oh yeah, he's magical, whatever. Oh yeah. The, the- <laughs> in fact, the things <laughs> he learns weird. from Dalbin are the things that endangers his life even
1: more. The one bit of magic he learns is how to use the pig, and as we said, if Taryn didn't know that, he would be better. He would <sighs> be better off. Uh, so, so
0: Dalbin is. I a mean, monster. it would be better to say. It'd be so interesting, I think, if he says, you know, I really want you to protect Henwin. Why are you sending me out to protect this pig? And then all of a sudden, he, the, you know, then the, the Horn King wants to see Henwyn, And Taryn's like, why do you want this pig so much? And then he makes him do something. And then it's like, oh, my God, my pig is an oracle. No wonder I've been taking care of this pig. You know, there's a discovery versus just something that we're told the entire time. I As it stands.
1: The end of the movie feels for me like if we were watching The Wizard of Oz and we cut aside to Uh Glinda and Glinda said, good, everything has gone exactly the way that I planned. That's why I summoned Dorothy with the tornado. (laughs) It was all part of my plan to murder two witches and expose the wizard. I don't want to find out that Glinda's that kind of person. Yes, And... That apparently is who, that's how Dalbin rolls. He's a master manipulator forcing children to do his dirty work uh, and confront evils he himself is unwilling to face.
0: All right, let's talk about Henwin, the magical pig. Oh, okay. The oracle pig. I I mean, she's cute. She's a cute little pig. Okay, so, okay, so Henwin goes away, right? Mm -hmm. And... And is transform- I thought Henwin was transformable and was the princess.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. We see them together. So
0: I thought that. No, no, no but we don't at first. Okay. Oh. And so I thought, oh, I thought, okay, that's Henwin. So, the the pick needs a better ending with a better payoff other than I drink water and I see visions. It's, it's an interesting- right? I mean- It's an interesting thought. What if Henwin was and alien- we transformed- and again, this is my fault for projecting too much of the sword and the stone on this, because I keep thinking about Merlin and Merlin shape-shifting, right? And ward shape-shifting. And I I thought, oh, that's because they have the same eyelashes. I thought, wow, they're the same. They're the same, but they're not. Um, but but thematically, I think, I think Henwin has to be more than just a pig oracle. I, th- I think she has to do something. Yeah. What if, for example, like, what if it was Henwin that dove into the cauldron? See, the problem
1: really is that Henwin and Gergi are fulfilling kind of the same role in this movie. Yep.
0: You're right. And you can't, you're not
1: wrong. And you can't have both of them to the point where the movie recognizes this and leaves Henwin behind, because <laughs> because we've got Gurgi now, so we're just going to leave like like he's like yeah, I guess I can leave Henwin with the fairy folk. I, I'm I'm sure that'll be fine. <laughs>
0: it's weird. It is weird. It's so weird if Henwin is somebody you're supposed to protect and and you've gone on and that's your charge, and then all of a sudden it's like ah, oh, you can hang out with the fairies. It'll be all right. I, it's <laughs> What? It's, uh, it's,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, Henwin doesn't really register to me as a character as much as a plot device. You, I thought mm-hmm. she might be, but then Gergi appears, uh-huh. and we don't need her anymore. Gergi does everything that a Henwin character would do. And he can talk, so
0: he's got that going on. Well, let's talk about Gergi. Okay. Um, uh, so one of my kids said that it was a golem. Yes. That Gergi is a golem flower the skunk hybrid.
1: I who gets voice coaching from whoever works with Donald Duck. <laughs> they go to the same vocal coach. That's right. <laughs> I want to love uh, Gergi. I mean, it's it's very funny, Andy, because we'll be watching <sighs> the Shaggy Dog soon, um, and I think that there's uh-huh. something about Gergi that's supposed to evoke the Shaggy Dog a little. Oh yeah, in, in his visual yeah. here, that that. It, but you know, we never find out what Gergi is or what he's doing. We basically know he's hungry, and I think for me the real problem is it's not really clear why he loves Taryn. Taryn no. doesn't show Gergi kindness. No, really. Taryn's pretty mean yeah. to Gergi, and, and maybe not undeservedly yeah. so, because Gergi's also annoying. Um, right. But, but a, there there's a moment that I'm missing in this movie, and it needs to be the moment where Gergi falls in love with Taryn as as a best friend. And I don't know what that yeah. moment... I
0: can't point to it. And without and see, it... we take... You're right. And that would be perfect, because... Again, we take up so much time in this movie with things that are just like, I don't know. It's like, we've been sitting here for how long? I mean, like there, there are moments where I'm like, this is wasted real estate. If we had the Gergi moment, then the payoff of him jumping into the pot or the or the cauldron would be, I'd be bigger. Taryn needs to do it something be, really kind for Gergi.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. and Thoughtlessly just reflexively do something kind for Gergi. It doesn't have to be like, I love mm-hmm. you, Gergi, but just like Gergi gets injured and Taryn's like, here, let me bandage you. He can be resentful about doing it, but there needs to be that sure. small act of kindness. The closest we get is Taryn says, well, now that you've taken a bite out of this apple, I guess you can have the whole thing, you dirty thief. I, I don't I don't feel like that's enough to bond. I mean, that's why Gergi took the bite in the apple. He, he didn't think Taryn would eat the rest of it afterwards.
0: And I think my daughter's right in that like the Gergi is Gollum uh, from the Lord of the Rings and that like you need Gergi, but you don't like Gergi. The movie wants
1: Gergi to be lovable and he kind Mm -hmm. of is, but not enough, but just not enough. He's not cute enough. He's not vulnerable enough. He's not like he talks about himself being a coward. He it. Mm-hmm. It's just not clear why Gergi continues to go with them
0: for an apple. It's it's <laughs> it's not enough. Odd. It's odd. Or what's his backstory with the with the cauldron? Oh, I, there I is know. no
1: backstory with him in the cauldron. He's just one of the fairy folk creatures that lives in the woods. Um, right. And in fact, Taren Taryn does like first of all Gergi super annoying in the books. Although, fun mm-hmm. story. One day, I'll tell you the story, viewer. You'll like the story. Young Xander, my oldest son, but at the time he was young, has read the Book of Three. He comes running into my office and he goes, Crunchings and Munchings. And I say, What? (laughs) He goes, Crunchings and Munchings. And I said, Are you hungry? he goes, crunchings and munchings. And I say, get out of here, Gurgy, or you'll taste the back of my hand. And he goes, oh no, tender whackings and smackings for poor, innocent Gergie, and ran out of the room. Very cute. It is very cute. It was, it was so adorable. And arguably a cuter story than what we see on screen. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. You have to push the comedy yeah. a little further than this movie is willing yes. to go. And to do that, yep. Taryn has to be more of the straight man. Um, yep. And like,
0: we we need more chemistry between them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about my favorite character in this movie, Creeper. A creeper. I Not Creeper. in the I books. Mean, if, I, if I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick if I'm gonna pick one in this movie, Creeper's the one. He's the of the Horn King. Um I think it's really interesting watching him punish himself, watching him be afraid of the Horn King, and then he's set free from the Horn King. And I wanted to see him redeem himself, and he doesn't. He doesn't, and and the movie seems to think we should be happy for him that he's now
1: free of the Horn King. Um, i'm not happy yeah. for him he's a sadistic monster he yeah. revels I mean, he's in been... having power over his prisoners he torments yeah, that. it's weird it is odd so the creeper is a symptom to me uh of the larger problem of the movie which is that your bad mm-hmm. guy is too scary so he's mm-hmm. the surrogate bad guy who's not as scary designed for us we spend more time with creeper than we ever spend with the horned king and it's it's because of the little kid audience again this character does not appear in the books yeah he is the one original character in this movie that disney created he's the gopher uh of this one
0: yeah yeah i mean he's cute and funny i think he's kind of you know in a goofy way i think he's kind of neat but He's the most Disney of all of this film. And that makes sense because um, he is the only sense. 100% pure Disney
1: character of this of this group.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Princess Ellen Lee. All
1: right. On the scale of princesses, she's pretty great. She's active, uh, asserts her mind. Um, yeah. Like, I love the bit where she goes like, oh, I was hoping you could rescue me. Well, I guess I'll rescue you instead. I love that.
0: That was great. It was a great line. I did expect more from her magic orb than just to chase rats. Yes. <laughs> it seems to me that a magic orb would do something. And for someone who's been in the dungeon for a bit, she does seem rather surprised uh, to find the king's coffin, right? She. As Tarrant. And what is that king's coffin thing all about? Who's that guy? What is that?
1: Look, you know, every house has some... When you buy a used house, every house has some secrets. In some places, you know, um, there might be a hole in the wall that you never noticed. And then sometimes there's, like, the crypt of an ancient king with his magic sword. You know, it's all, a, it's all a gamble. Uh, but I do want to say about Aelin Wing is that <laughs> while I think she is one of the better Disney princesses that we viewed... They have really sanded the edges off of her from the books. In the ca- in the books, she is such a character. She's really? she is alternate vain and selfish and mm-hmm. easily takes offense. But the reason she takes offense is she's so desperate to hear that she's loved. Uh she's got a mm-hmm. thing for Taryn, and Taryn has a thing for her. But, but like, he's he's terrible with girls, and she doesn't ever let him off the hook. And their relationship, we get a taste of that in this movie. And truthfully, there's not a lot of time for all the edges she has in the book. But but I will say, like, Princess Ailyn Wee is a step towards getting Ariel. She is. She. You know, mm. she's not quite at Alice in Wonderland levels for me in terms of assertiveness, but she's pretty darn close. Uh, and, interesting. and you know, she reminds me a lot of um, Princess Calla from Gummy Bears,
0: uh, which came out around yeah. the same time. They even visually look very similar. Uh, it's really interesting to me that you say Ariel, because, I mean, those these two films feel a lot farther apart than they really yes. are the black cauldron and uh the little disney is at this... they're not that far apart disney is
1: at this point of time where they're realizing their female characters cannot be objects and mm-hmm. it took a long time to get to the 80s where we get there but but they are they're doing the work i really do think they're doing the work and they're doing the work here uh she she speaks her mind on several occasions and she doesn't allow herself mm-hmm. to be disrespected and they and right and you gotta love that. I give this movie extra points for alan Wade. I, I love her.
0: All right. Flute or flam. So there's a rule about menstruals, Larry. Yes, Is this Chekhov's rule that that about menstruals? <laughs> I think it is. And that's that menstruals got a menstrual. <laughs> it is so weird
1: that this party has a bard in it. To, like, has someone whose job it is to sing and make music. <laughs> and at no point in this movie... Does he sing or make music? And beyond that, Andy, thank God
0: he doesn't sing. Because cause I don't want that. <laughs> uh, we get half a song from him, right? Not even. Uh, Fragments. It, it, well, and it, it's Disney's biggest budget movie ever. Every Disney movie to this point has had Sherman Brothers music in it. And this movie chooses to have a A guy with a harp who never uses it? It's weird. But
1: do you remember when we watched The Sword and the Stone and I was like, all of these characters can't sing, but they're singing? That's what the Black Cauldron would have been with music. Like, there's nothing about Fluid or Flam's voice that makes me think I want to hear him burst into song here. Mm, Um, Here's here's the question, though. Other than providing comic relief, which he does. Mm Mm-hmm. Fluid of Flam has a really weird role in this movie. In theory, he is the adult in this group. And mm-hmm. therefore is a mature man and should start making decisions for the group. Not not because, mm-hmm. for no other reason, Taron and Aelin Wee are children. Gurgi right. is a freak. Like... <laughs> right. It is up to him to step up into his adulthood. And yet, for whatever reason, he believes the chain of command is I'm gonna follow Taryn. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting. What that says about him to me is so interesting. I I wish we could develop it more because like he doesn't see himself as a mentor for these children. He doesn't see no. himself as as a parent or a surrogate parent or an authority figure
0: in his mind expects these children to, to rescue him. Right. One
1: of the kids. And that's the thing. That's the thing. He, he should, I would love it if they kept looking to him for leadership and he kept going, Mm -hmm. why are you looking to me guys? I'm the sidekick. like, that that's what I don't I, know. I want them to he doesn't make uh, us feel safe when when right. when we're with him. He doesn't make and I would love to see the kids looking to him to want to want him to make them feel safe the way Pongo makes the Dalmatians feel safe. And for right. him
0: to be like And I think if he yeah, if he if he played that role, this
1: movie would be less scary too. For that kids, would be a I way think. of making it less scary. I'm gonna tell you my favorite thing about Fluid or Flam. And it's, it's okay. something that I only connected to this time go around. There is a mm-hmm. moment when Taryn and Ailenway are apologizing to each other. And Fluid or Flam is just sitting there watching. with like This is the best show he's ever seen. With them tell- complimenting each other and apologizing and making up. And the expression on his face in that moment. I connected to him so much. Because now that I'm a grown man. I love seeing young people fall in love. I love seeing first loves. And for me, and for me, that's the thing about fluid or flam is that, that if they worked on the fact that he sees these kids as so special, as so great, that he's super confident in their ability to make the right decisions, that he refuses to take the adult role and said, He's the one, when he sees Taryn, he sees a hero. And when he sees Aelinwi, he sees a princess. And, and right. that's just it. And nothing, like, he sees in them more than they see in themselves. If you just,
0: if you just work that a little bit more. Yeah. I think you would have one of the greatest I mean, Disney characters
1: could- of all time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he could definitely have been sort of a Yoda, Obi-Wan kind of character, or something, you know, maybe something a little more magical or something a little different. Um, But he's not no. that. So he could have been, a, yeah. All right, so we have uh, the fair people. We have King Edelig and Dolly. I want to talk about Dolly. King Edelig is
1: there. I don't really pay much attention to him.
0: Who even notices, right? I mean, okay, do you get Smurf vibes from these fairy people? I got dwarf
1: vibes from these people. Okay. Particularly Dolly, for me, was Grumpy. He's also, you know, gruffy gummy. He is the grumpy character of this movie. Grumpy Smurf, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's what I get from him. He does not want to be in this movie. And what's really funny is... He gets to leave. (laughs) And even funnier than that, he does not come back. Like, Bakira constantly leaves, but then comes back. Dolly is like, (laughs) Dolly is like, you guys have messed this up so profoundly. I am washing my hands of you. Quest over. Dolly out.
0: And Dolly is, in fact, out. Out to the point where it makes you if one of the animators was like <laughs> playing a joke on this going up yeah, this is what he's gonna this, do peace I, out i'm going you keep
1: going to the wizard of oz but for me this is the moment where like the tin man says listen guys i figured it out you have no chance against the wicked witch of the west so uh best of luck rooting for you but i'm going back to the forest there's a lot of trees that i don't really need a heart after all Right, Imagine if right. that happened and that happens in this movie. And this is one of those things that doesn't get paid off is mm-hmm. Dolly exists to get them from point A to point B and nothing else.
0: And that's it. All we needed yeah, was it, a sign. that it's says like this way. We didn't, we didn't need the fair folk, which is in this movie, no. which is, they're sort of extraneous. All right. The horned King who, the entire my entire family thinks looks like Skeletor from the He-Man series.
1: Oh, uh, he wishes. And you know what? Not, Skeletor's, Skeletor's yeah. <laughs> got abs. Skeletor gets up every morning and does a hundred sit-ups. Horn Horn King Horn King has not been doing the exercise that that Skeletor does. But yes, there's a similarity. I mean, now
0: that I'm well, that I'm talking about like the Smurf vibes and the Skeletor, vibe. I'm like, this is this like a nod to '80s cartoons? Yes. I mean, because, again, because there is a lack of music, this feels like more like a TV cartoon that I would sit and watch a series of or whatever. It does feel like a He-Man.
1: Agreed. It feels like the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon show for me. Uh, Yeah, there you go. I'll I'll go with that. Uh, Here's the thing about the Horned King. He is vanilla yogurt of villains. He's the bad guy. (laughs) He says bad guy things. We don't really get a sense of why he wants what he wants. And we don't get a sense Mm -hmm. of, like, of what his... That that there's anything personality about him. He's just
0: doing generic bad guy stuff. And we've said this... He moves so slowly, too. And it's like, why are they afraid of him making outrun (laughs) him? Well, I mean,
1: that... The truth of the matter is, he can't be, do things because it's a kid's movie. If if it was right. a movie for teens, yeah, he could do some scary things, and then we would fear him a little bit. But my real problem with him, Andy, is I have said from... I, I will live and die on this hill. The best Disney movies are the ones where the villain and the hero have something in common. When there's a relationship yep. between the two of them, and there is no relationship between Taran and the Horned King... And there should be. It should yeah. be the Horned King is hunting Taron. Because Taron is like the one person who can kill him. We get shades of Voldemort mm-hmm. and uh, Harry Potter, maybe, in in that kind of pairing. Sure. But beyond that, mm-hmm. the Horned King is a coward. He's scary and he's powerful. But at the end of the day, he made a deal with Oron to live forever because he's afraid of dying, and that is the act of a coward. And Taryn yeah. should be grappling with his own cowardice, be give, given the same choice. Magical power will make you a hero. Magical power will let you live forever. And Taryn needs to make the other choice. They need to be commenting on each other. This is all the work of theme. Theme mm-hmm. informed by character, and, and this movie just favors plot and location over character and theme. And it's not yeah. enough. And you have to, if you have the Horned King, you need to make his relationship with Taran personal. He needs to know Taran's name. Mm-hmm. I don't think he even knows. He's like Pig Boy. They call him my like Pig Boy. Yeah. He doesn't recognize Taran as his enemy. He's so confident that Taran's not his enemy. He leaves the black cauldron behind, which, hello, read your villain handbook. You leave guards to guard the item that can destroy you. But, but like, he he doesn't lock eyes with Taran.
0: He's not like you're, no. you're
1: the one who defeats. He doesn't have a Scooby Doo moment. And there's Nothing. no real
0: like, there's no like showdown moment either. Never confront just... each
1: other. Taran doesn't
0: triumph over him. No, no. And and that, that's right. really the problem there. Yes, there's a big... Yeah. All right, the witches, um, who are kind of fun. They are um, kind of fun. Do you want to hear Betsy's theory? Yes. Those three
1: witches are the same witches from Hocus Pocus.
0: Okay, I got the same vibe. Did you? Got the same vibe, agree. They. I mean, the, and they end up with the Black Cauldron, which, again, they've got the sword... I think it would have been really cool if the witches had destroyed the Black Cauldron or if, if Taryn had gotten the sword out of the bargain with them and somehow, you know, figured out how to get it back. And then he destroys the Black Cauldron with the sword. I And I think that's that's missing. That's missing. But also so their role in this as as fey folk
1: is to be beyond the role of beyond the fight. Of good and evil, right? Right? They're right. there, and they like to have their fun, and they like to play and turn people into frogs, and maybe seduce mm-hmm. a, a a minstrel who clearly is not into what you're selling, lady. Um, but mm-hmm. but like that—that's what the—they're like that classical fay. Like we like to play with mortals, and that's fine mm-hmm. as far as it goes. They're not going to destroy the black cauldron. Because it's fun to have a black cauldron. It makes them interesting. Right. It's unique. It's a collectible. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is, and it never made sense to me. She trades the cauldron for the sword. And then for whatever whatever reason, um, I think it's Why? Doc says, No, now we gotta trade
0: the cauldron, the sword back for the cauldron. Why? Why would you do that? It makes out, I, there's just no, there's no sense to it. There's no rhyme or reason. No,
1: And, and it just, it feels arbitrary. It feels like, because we're at the end, they should be like, Hey, black cauldrons out in the world now. Um, <laughs> like now we've got this cool. sort. like, like they're, they're playing games. It's just not clear how they win. Even fluid or flam manipulating them at the end. I, mm-hmm. they don't come across as real people. And they're not real people. They're fairy folk. They're witch fairy folk. I get that. But, but like, you know, you want them (sighs) pursuing objectives and you want them to be trying to win their scenes. And I guess we get a taste of that, but we don't, it's not really particularly satisfying.
0: Not at all. All right. Pitch time. (laughs) Okay. Given this film, what in the world are we going to do with this content? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I am sure not <laughs> a fan,
1: in general, of let's take a movie and make it live action. But this movie needs to be live action. It needs to be for mm-hmm. teens. It needs to be a coming of uh-huh. age story. We need to see Taryn deal with real issues. We need the Horned King to be scary. Uh, I, my pitch is: let's get it right. Let's make it like yeah. it's a, let's make it like a book. We could get. Easily, if we just use the five books, we could get five movies out of it. It could be a franchise. Let's not try to combine yeah. two books into one. Let's just really do the books. Let's not reinvent it. And I know that that's, of the pitches I've given, it's not wild, but they really didn't get it right the first time. They deserve a second swing uh-huh. at it. That's that's my pitch.
0: Andy? So, likely that's also my pitch. Likely Disney doesn't want to have anything to do with this movie ever again, <laughs> but um, I do think a live action based on the actual books, either as a movie series or even a TV series, could be cool. And I keep envisioning sort of this Game of Thrones for tweens and teens, yeah. Um, you know, that could be kind of interesting, and again. There's you're you're right. They didn't get it right. There's a whole lot of source material that's excellent, and it's just
1: yeah. This is not a case of the story was bad from the beginning and they couldn't fix it. I mean, this it, is the fixes and, they put
0: like, into it ruined the story. I a Newberry Medal is hard to get, and so the fact that this movie is that based on that kind of source material says that. Somebody just didn't know what they were doing in the adaptation.
1: For me, this reads like there were too many people putting imp- imp- putting notes on this, trying to make it something for young people. And that's just not mm-hmm. what the source material was. It, it, right. it didn't lend itself to being adapted in the way they wanted to adapt it. Uh, and that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. By the way, I wouldn't mind an animated version of this that was just geared
0: towards teens and not towards young viewers. I wouldn't mind that either. It could be done. I mean, I keep thinking of like, How to Train a Dragon or movies like that. I keep thinking, because How to Train a Dragon really wasn't for... It's still young. Know, it's I younger my, than this material is. It is. It is. That's true. But there has to be this kind of... It's almost Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe? It could be at that level. I mean, it's... Uh, you could at do this... At that level?
1: You, if you think of it more as Lord of the Rings Jr.
0: Then... Yeah. There it is. Then... There it is. Um, then
1: something that is the contemporary of the great mouse detective. I think you'll be in better. I, I, I think that's where it exists. This is the source material for this movie is so great. I would, I would love to see a great version of this movie.
0: Me too, because this was a hard, this was a hard, hard, hard uh, podcast. I enjoy it. I enjoy
1: this movie, Andy, but I enjoy it because I love the book so much. The love of the mm-hmm. books gets me through this movie, and since you've never mm-hmm. read them, this movie is a failure. I haven't? And the movie has to has to work standalone from the books. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, it's then it's it no good. Work. So so while I'm going to say this is we had a mixed review reaction to this, you're right. As a movie, this does not succeed. And and for me, as like giving me visual images for a book, yeah, it works for that for me. Uh, But that's not most viewers. Just isn't.
0: So what movie are we tackling
1: next I hinted at it. We are doing The Shaggy Dog, which I have never seen. Um, I've always wanted to. I may have seen scenes from it. I have a vague image of a dog driving a car. I don't know if it's from this movie or from one of the sequels, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited. This feels classic to me. I'm so
0: glad. it it is it is definitely classic well if you like what you're hearing will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another disney or classic movie fan and please check out our once upon a disney facebook page you can tweet us at at andy Redwine or at larry brenner six or drop us a line in our mailbag at once upon a disney podcast at gmail.com so until next time friends see you real soon see you real soon